Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 275, Baltimore Comic Con 2023. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm Grub. And hi, it's Kevin. Kevin from Canada. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you were going to do that. So, <laughs> welcome back, everyone. Uh, we'll get into the whole Kevin from Canada thing in this. So, uh, I told you guys it wouldn't be long that we'd be doing episodes again, uh, and I wanted to keep that promise. Um, the guys here can attest that coordinating is a whole lot of fun when everyone's got lives going. <laughs> so, uh, so thankfully yep. this was the night that we were able to, to get together. We might have a, uh, a friend of ours join, uh, Michael, who was with us at Baltimore Comic Con. Um, he's putting his little one, uh, to bed. And, uh, so he might join us a little bit later. Uh, but he was part of the crew that came together. I did not ask Sam to join us. He was the fifth person of Star the Star Joe's community that was there. I only didn't ask him because in the past when I've asked Sam if he wanted to join, uh he'll be like he'll, he often has said like, "Well, I could join, but I probably won't talk much." And I'm like, "Well, it's a podcast, so you kind of have to talk." <laughs> so <laughs> so uh so Sam, if you're listening, sorry I didn't ask you uh if you actually wanted to join. If you want to join in a future episode, we can do that. So um, I know he's been on like once or twice in the past episode, but, um, so yeah, this episode's all about the trip to Baltimore Comic Con, which, uh, Grub, I know that you have, have been to in recent past years, but this was the first time for me to return. Um, and Kevin, this was your first time ever going to Baltimore Comic Con, correct? Yeah, first time to any, uh, cons in the States at all. Yeah, so. Um, so one thing I also wanted to throw out before we get into everything here, um, was that because I did have some people that had asked me earlier in the year if I was going to be going to Baltimore Comic Con and I told them I didn't know, but I would, I would try to let them know as early as possible, um, because some of them wanted to come like, uh, Tom who had been at Baltimore Comic Con previous to COVID and everything. And we got to meet him for the first time. I think Joe had mentioned it about coming. Um, so there was people that thought about coming and everything else and they had reached out saying, Hey, are you going to be there? Cause it'd be fun to all get together again. Um, I literally, and these guys can attest to this. I literally did not know I was going a hundred percent sure until about maybe about three weeks before the convention. <laughs> so, um, really wasn't any time to let other people know where they could actually make plans. So, um, it was just kind of up in the air for a while. Um, again, COVID played a part into that, because I've mentioned before on the show, my wife's immune compromised, so I tend to be more cautious. And there was the new strand that was out there that was more contagious, even though the effects weren't as hard. So there was there was a lot of discussion and stuff centered around that. And then finally, it was just a matter of like, you should go, you should have fun. Um, Grub and I were talking about this earlier. Like life's short, you never know what's going to happen. So. It, it was nice to get back to something that felt kind of like a normal thing again for me. So, um, so with that being said, uh, that's like I said, anyone that was out there kind of waiting to see if we were all going to get together again and stuff like that. I apologize that there was no advance notice, but there really wasn't any advance notice. The only people that knew for sure that they were coming to the show was, uh, my friend, our friend Sam. And Grub goes every year, and Kevin knew he was flying in for it. So that that's the only ones that we knew for sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, when it's like a ten minute drive for me, yeah, I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't blame. <laughs> so, Kevin, I wanted to start it was with only you. thirty. Yeah. Miles. it was only how many miles? 
3,300 miles. Oh, is that all? That's not bad. You do that in like, That's it. Yeah. you could do that in like a couple days. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so Kevin, I wanted to start with you because, uh, you have a unique, kind of a unique reason that you came to Baltimore Comic Con, which if I understand right, and you can elaborate more on this, um, so you had a milestone birthday and part of your milestone birthday this year was that you wanted to go to some, some of the conventions that you kind of always wanted to go to, like just various ones all over the, the place. Correct. Am I correct in that? Yeah. Yeah. So in August I turned 50, 50 and, uh, the previous year when I turned 49, like my wife and I, we've been volunteering for the, uh, fan expos for 10 years now. And I was just, this is a bit, I usually don't give a damn about my birthday, but this one, it's like, let's make something for the year. And I said, why don't we see how many expos we could do? Cause we got to know the management really well for the different shows. So we talked to them and they said, yeah, if you guys want to come out, we can definitely put you to work. So we did Vancouver in February. Uh, we did Calgary, which is my home show with the comic creators. Uh, they, we got out to Toronto to do Toronto Fan Expo. Baltimore was two weeks after that. And then the weekend after Baltimore was Edmonton Expo. So I did four con, three cons in four weeks. Wow. Including Baltimore. And Baltimore was like, well, the guys from Stargill's all go down there. I wonder if they're going this year. So I kind of touched base with a few of you. Yeah. Uh, right. You were kind of on defense. Yeah. Eric, he knew he was going. I'm going, uh, hopefully Rock and, uh, John and Chuck, hopefully everybody shows up. It'd be phenomenal for everybody to be there, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys all showed up and Mike and, uh, Sam showed up there too, which is great. And. Yeah. I had an absolute blast meeting all you guys. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I will say, so, I think I mentioned this to you at the show, like, you were one of the, if not the main reason that I wanted to make sure I went this year. Because it was like, like there was creators there I wanted to meet that I didn't know if I'd have another chance to meet them, but like there's a chance that I would have had a chance in the future to meet them. But with you coming into town, I'm like, I've talked to this guy on the show. I've talked with them through text messages and through <laughs> uh, like over the phone and, and all these types of stuff, but I had never had a chance to meet you in person. Um, so while it's great to have technology that allows me to connect with, with you as a friend and everything, like it's so much better when you get to actually like hang out with that person too. So, um, so yeah, that was, it was a big deal for me to be like, okay, I need to go. And I used you as a, as a reason for trying to convince some of the other guys to go. Cause so like Chuck was like on the fence and I was like, yeah, well, you know, he's like, well, my big thing is I want to like. I'd want to hang out with the guys. I was like, well, the big reason to go then is because Kevin's going to be there. You never had a chance to meet Kevin. He's never had a chance to meet you. Rock was kind of the same thing. And I know Rock's big thing was, let's put it this way. I think if, if Chuck had gone, Rock would have gone too. Um, but I know for Rock, it's a very long drive, especially trying to get out of and into the New York area. And he really didn't want to do that alone. Um, and his wife didn't really want to go and his son didn't want to come. So it would have been a long drive yeah. on his own. So I, I totally get that. And he's like, well, maybe next year. I really do think that if Chuck had decided to go, that Rock would have been like, okay, there's a, a bigger group that's showing up and I don't get to see Chuck very often. So, um, I, I'll go. Um, Chuck was typical Chuck. Um, and like, he's just like, he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go. Are you going to go? I was like, well, I'll, I'm trying to go and everything. And, and he's just, and then it turned into, well, maybe next year. And I'm like, dude, don't even say ne maybe next year. Cause it, it, 
Chuck's maybe next year is the same thing he says when he says he's not going to get a certain comic, but maybe he'll get the trade, which means he's not going to even get the trade when it comes out. And I call him on that all the time. He'll be like, well, he's like, maybe I'll get the trade. And you're not going to get the trade. (laughs) He just starts laughing. So he's saying that next year he might turn it into like a vacation thing with his fiance, um, who may or may not be his wife by then. I don't know what their plans are, but, um, but he's like, yeah, maybe we'll come down for the convention and like make the week, the rest of the week afterwards, uh, or the week before like a, a beach trip or something like that, um, in some of the southern states or something like that. And I was like, you do what you want. I'm going this year. So, <laughs> um, but it was awesome meeting you. Um, yeah, I had, I had a blast meeting all you guys. It was, it was so much fun. It was almost exactly what I expected it to be. We all meet up. We all go for dinner. We get to the show. It's like, okay, break. Yes. And on various, yeah. And then on various, various occasions, you're like trying to meet up with people like, okay, where are you at right now? Where are you at right now? Okay. I'll swing by and (laughs) stuff like that. Yep. Like Uh, you, you had your Jeff Johns. That was your number one thing. And my number one thing was, uh, Walter and Louise Simonson. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it is, uh, it, it, I'm glad it was everything you hoped it would be or what you heard it would be. Um, so like, I, I feel like we usually paint a pretty good picture of it. Um, and I'm kind of curious, Grub, from your perspective, I know we talked a little bit about it during the show and everything else. Uh, but I'm curious your perspective from like even previous years. It seemed like a slower show than what I'm used to in past years. I'm, not sure because they did some weird like more crowded than you know because it's hard to my brain now works with everything like there was covid and then there's after covid and whatever happened before covid i it all seems like a dream at this point yeah um friday definitely felt busier than friday last year okay um saturday and like I never felt the entire weekend like I was in a sardine tin. Right. Uh, I never felt like I, you know, because you know, like you know, having had just got had COVID a couple of weeks previous to the convention. Thank you, fucking Florida uh, airports. Um, the I had a mask in my pocket just in case, like I felt a little too cramped, but I never felt the need to pull it out. Because I never felt that we were just jammed with people. It didn't feel that way. Yeah. I don't know if it was because they also changed the layout a little bit this year. Right. They took some of the artist alley and they moved it to another section, which previous had really been walled off and nothing was there, um, and bleeding into a little bit of the few like um, like food stations they had. And then they put the media guests against the back wall, which used to be where some of the artists <clears throat> were. Artist alley areas were. Yeah. So I think there was actually a little more space this year than previous. Yeah. But at, at talking to some of my, my artist friends that, um, that were there, it seems to be a, a complete mixed bag. Yeah. Some people did really, really well and some did terrible. And I know that's the case every year, but, um, it seems like a lot of people were making just enough 
but it's you know it's also hard to tell as to what people were there for. Yeah, I feel like they did pull a lot more really big names this year. Yes, I would agree with um, that. And I'm wondering if that affected everything else because of, you know, how long were you dealing with the Jeff Johns thing and, you know, Chris Claremont, Jesus Christ. Um, oh, so that was that an interesting was like, thing, though, too, because they there were some creators like, well, like the Jeff Johns thing is a whole separate thing because that was like a separate panel and a separate area and everything else for the signing and stuff. It wasn't just like on the floor. Um, and, and, and I don't regret that it took that much time because I got to meet him and got to get stuff signed by him. And that was, you know, Kevin, to your point, that was my, you know, white whale I needed to get him to sign stuff. Um, but I didn't know it was going to take up four hours of my day on Saturday. Uh, so, but in regards to like, yeah, Claremont had a line and Bendis had a line and stuff like that. But then you had creators like, Mark Wade and David Finch and like that had no line. I was shocked David Finch had no line whatsoever. Uh, Jim Chung had no line. Howard Chaikin had no line. So it was like a lot of bigger names that had no lines. And then there was the lot, then there was massive lines for some other creators. So it was very weird. Well, I'm wondering if some of that, like Claremont was, he was so slow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was insane. Like he would, it would take him 10 minutes to talk to one person. And it's like, I don't, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's a conundrum of you want people to be able to have a conversation with these creators that means something to them. But at the same time, you also got to think about everybody else that's in line that wants to meet them too. And like I was on, I guess it was Friday, Friday, Saturday. I forget whatever day it was. Um, But with, Claremont, I spent two hours in line, and I was like the thirtieth person in that line. Yeah, I mean, some of those people would have been there all day if they waited. With with how his line, with how slow he was moving with yeah. things, because he talk 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 talk. Yeah, um, and I don't know if that maybe was part of the you know part of the issue was you get a guy like him who's got a three hundred people in line waiting for him, and he takes forever. Yeah, well, that's if he was moving a little quicker. Say 150 of those people could be spread out going to other people as opposed to waiting. Right. You know? Chris Claremont, Chris Claremont is one of my highlights for the whole weekend on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> well, it's, you had a so, little bit more unique experience because of getting something signed for him, too. <laughs> well, I'll just tell the story for everybody else. Yeah. So in Calgary, in April, uh, I got to work with Art Adams, and part of working with Art Adams, I actually got to take take him on a private tour of the Royal Thrill Museum in Drumheller, which he specifically asked to go and do. And because my cousin is one of the art directors for the museum, I got to backstage pass for Art Adams, and we spent three hours in the museum. And I spent an hour and a half one way in the car with Art Adams. So I got to, I got to know him pretty well. We had yeah, that's pretty day. awesome. Yeah. And so thir- Saturday, after I, I had already seen Claremont years before, and I thought, oh, I'll see if I can't get these books signed by him at least. Well, life's crazy, life's crazy, life's crazy. Well, Saturday evening, like, it's almost, the show's almost done. I'm walking towards, uh, the essential, sequential booth, which has Chris Claremont, Art Adams, David Finch, Klaus Johnson, and a couple other guys. I'm walking towards the booth, and Art Adams comes out of one of the other rows from talking to somebody else. And I'm like, hey, Art, how's it going? Blah, 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 blah. We get up to the booth, Art goes into the booth, and I see Chris has one person in line. Oh, cool. So I go up there. I go, is he still signing? And the volunteer's like, nope, he's done. You have to come back tomorrow. 
I'm like, huh, oh, there's Jason. I know Jason really well. He runs Essential Schedule. Hey, Jason, there's any chance I can maybe get Chris to sign this before? Yeah, it should be a problem. And as we're talking, Art Adams walks by again. He goes, what's going on? I said, well, Chris's line's captain. I was just kind of asking Jason if I may be able to sneak Chris's signature. And Art grabs my two books, goes over to Chris Claremont, throws them down on the guy, the last guy in line stuff. Find my Canadian friend's books and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh God, oh God, what just happened? What happened is you got your stuff signed. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so the guy who's taking the money for Chris Claremont's like, what the hell just happened? I'm like, how much? He goes, how many? Two, 30 bucks. Okay. Here's my money. And then Chris Claremont starts talking to me rather than ignoring the guy who's in oh. line. Oh, wow. I'm just like, thanks, just sign my books. I don't want to interrupt this guy. Yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> funny. I knew some. I knew most of that story, but didn't know didn't know part of that there. So that's funny. Um, that's yeah. good stuff. Um, yeah, and then you were. It was awesome because I did not get a chance to meet Art Adams. So it was cool. Like you took us over to meet Art uh, on Sunday and everything else, just to kind of introduce us and everything else. And I totally forgot that. Like I should have. I wish I had remembered and. Um, had mentioned it to him, but like I'm, uh, his Kickstarter for his art book is like, I'm very anxious for that. So, um, so I'm looking forward to that coming out. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, so who was, who all was on? Cause I, Kevin, I know you got everybody that was on your list, uh, that you were hoping for yeah. and then, and then some, so who all was on your list and this can kind of give people an idea of like who all was there. I know we've mentioned some names, but like who who all was on your list that you, if you remember them all, or if you have a list there, of like that that you got to meet and got stuff signed by, and anything memorable that you remember from like from some of the signings? Because I know like the Walt Simonson, Louis Simonson was kind of unique. I didn't know if there was some other stuff like that too. Yeah, so every, most people probably know I make my own posters, and I made up a unique poster for Louise and Walt. Simonson, and that was my whale. I went as soon as the doors opened on Saturday. I ran to the line. I just stood there. And what made that more memorable than anything else is I'm standing in line just talking with folks, and uh, I, look, I hear somebody talk. I look over. Here comes Walter walking down the aisle, talking like groups of ten people at a time, just telling people I need. I had to change my rate. So this is what I'm charging now, and this is what I'm charging for drawing. Blah blah blah. And then he stopped, and we moved to the next ten people. I'm, and I'm I'm a line control guy. I'm like Walt, just go to your damn table and start signing. We'll get there when we get there <clears throat> and so he goes back okay cool I'm talking with more people <laughs> comes again folks I forgot to mention this and he goes off about his new spiel I'm just like oh, go to your damn table <laughs> so he disappears again and sitting there talking again lines slowly moving ahead which is what I expected and here he comes again I'm like what the hell is he doing and now people are just bringing him books to get signed and then they're leaving the line yeah. And so he signs a few things and disappears and then we can move up. And then here he comes again. He signed more signatures and he disappears and, and we move up again. Like, so he was, what he was doing is he was just signing signatures on books, going back to his table, doing three or four sketches, walking back down the line, just taking care of autograph. Yeah. And then going back to his table. And it, it blew through the line beautifully. I'm like, okay, this really actually works. Yeah. But because I have my giant post. I had to put it up against one of the pillars to have him sign it. And thankfully, some guys I met from Oregon were there. And uh, they took some great pictures of Walter signing my poster for me. And That's then I got cool. a selfie with him as well, plus with Louise. That was uh, – those were one of my big whales. Yeah. Um, but uh, Bendis, 
I actually got the list in front of you. So I want Bendis, Chaikin, uh, Matthew Clark, Jam, Durisma. Is that how you say Jen, it? Yeah, Dursema. Dursema. Uh, Garcia Lopez, my friend up here in Canada, had a variant cover done for the Rebirth Justice yeah. League book. Yeah. I think it was. And uh, he never, ever got an opportunity for Garcia Lopez to sign it when he was here in Calgary in 2019. So I took, I brought down 10 copies with me and I gave you guys each a copy. Yep. And I got two signed for my friend, friend store. And so he was a big one to get. Uh, Ron Garney, Tony Harris, Tom King, G. Lee, Howard Mackey, Tom Mandrake, Ron Mars, Al Milgram, Tom Rainey, Scott Snyder, and uh, Jim Starling were all on my list. Nice. And I got every single autograph on everything I made for every, plus some extra stuff, which I wasn't, I'm like, oh my God, this person's here. They can sign this for me. Yeah. Which I happen to have. So. Yeah. I only had, uh, I had a couple people that I brought stuff to get signed that I didn't get signed. Uh, and some of that was because of the whole four hours <laughs> on Saturday with Jeff Johns. Um, I did, I brought some stuff for Bendis to get signed and I brought some stuff for, Scott Snyder to get signed, and I brought some other stuff for Tom King to get signed. I did get one thing signed by Tom King, but um, but like I I had other stuff, but I only got one thing signed by Tom King, and I'll mention like what happened that caused that. But um, but yeah, Scott Snyder and Bendis were like the two that I brought plenty of stuff for them to sign, and I just never ended up getting it signed by them. I do have some stuff signed by both of them uh, from other uh, other ventures. One because uh, Scott Snyder was at Baltimore Con years ago and I got stuff signed by him and then Bendis because my wife one year for Christmas wrote to Brian Michael Bendis and said my husband's a fan of your writing and he sent some stuff and some of that stuff was signed so I do have some stuff signed by him but I wanted to have a chance I wanted to have a chance to meet Bendis uh which I kind of briefly did but not enough to actually talk with him but uh because he is from Cleveland and he used to shop at Carol John's comic shop which is the comic shop that I shop at and has my comic and everything else. So I thought it'd be fun to be able to talk with him, but I just never got back to his table or anything like that. My brief meeting with him was Tom King was walking by talking with him and I stopped Tom to say hi. And Tom, as usual, per usual does not, did not remember who the hell I was other than knowing that I looked familiar. Um, and then by the end of the show, he remembered who I was, which means by next year, he won't remember who I am again. So, <laughs> but I, and I, I was also networking while I was there because, uh, the comic sketch art booth, which Tom King and, uh, Scott Snyder are with, I knew one of the girls that was her handler. Okay. And I'm like, you gotta get these guys up to Calgary. You gotta get them up to Calgary. So like, yeah, I think Tom might come up to Calgary. So you gotta get Scott up there too. Cause <laughs> yeah. For so sure. I'm trying to get graders up to my shows. Absolutely. I don't blame you there. Um, and then Eric, for you, like, I, I know you mentioned getting Chris Claremont. Uh, who else was on your list, like, that you were able to, to get stuff? Like, I know you probably didn't have as extensive a list as, as, uh, myself and Kevin <laughs> had, but, uh. The, the line, or the, the list was short, but distinguished. Um, <laughs> uh, Nice. It was just uh, like Claremont was kind of a last second decision because okay. I couldn't remember. I have an uncanny X-Men 275 that I had. Jim Lee had signed it in like, Jesus, 1993 or 1994 <laughs> or something. So I've had it for a long time. Sure. And so I had I had Chris sign that. Um, 
And then the other thing for me was one of the media guests was uh, Samantha L. Um, British, but she's uh, been uh, basically been a stormtrooper in almost, I think at this point, every single Disney era Star Wars production. Okay. Um, so I needed her autograph on a couple of things, but that was really it. Like I didn't, I didn't, you know, cause I, you know, you guys are more of the comic guys than I am. Like, I mean, I like yeah. comics, but sure. my, what I read is pretty limited. Um, oh, oh, right. And I had, uh, I had, uh, Jan Dracima send sign, uh, one of the omnibuses that for some reason I had volumes one and three signed by her, but not volume two. Okay. So I'm not sure why that was, but. But that's it. I mean, I'm, they're you know mostly. I'm going to that show. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at art. Yeah. Um, and even this year, like same thing is I didn't wasn't a whole lot on my uh, my list for artists that I you know it was more just to wander around and find what I find this year. Yeah. Um, now, I, but, as far as your art stuff that you got, because I know you got at least a couple commissions that I know of. Um, I don't know how many total you ended up having, but I remember it. I think I remember a couple of them. Um, do you want to talk about those? Like what you got? And if you remember who it, it was that did those for you? I only had three this year. Um, one was, uh, EM scribbles. Eric, Eric Matos. Yep. Um, he did Miria from, uh, Robotech slash, uh, Macross, um, for anybody who knows who she is, for me, um, the hell there was a uh, that I had another Robotech piece with this guy that I kind of stumbled on in the afternoon on Saturday. Uh, it's a Gerard Conti, I think is his name. Okay. Uh, he did a really yep. cool hover tank piece for me. Uh, I think Katie Cook did. Uh, you know, like I usually hit her up for for something. And I think I had a Disney piece done, but I can't remember at the moment. Um, but that was it. I didn't, same thing is just not a lot of, uh, uh, just did, I just didn't do a lot because I just, I don't know. I, I think I spent more time just kind of meandering around with <laughs> just hanging yeah. out with you guys, just doing whatever than. Yeah. Uh, uh well, you were holding the The what? You were holding my posters and I wasn't getting signed. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Michael yeah, is. I was like the poster bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Michael is ready, so I'm going to bring him onto the call here uh, with us. And uh, so, just take one second here. Michael, you there? Hello. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so before we get into more of Eric's artwork, Michael, welcome to the show. We've been talking about like who we saw and who we met. Uh, Kevin gave his, his spiel and we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to some of Kevin's adventures and everything else as well. But, uh, but then, uh, Eric was talking about who he got stuff signed by and he was talking about his artwork and everything else. And then we'll, we'll touch base with you as well. So, um, so Eric, you had, uh, so you said you had a Dune piece that was done. Um, yeah, it was, um, Elvin Hernandez who, uh, he did, uh, basically, uh, Duncan Idaho, aka Jason Momoa in the, in the new, uh, the new one that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, for me, just because whatever. But he's also part of the creation of Hot Sauce. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so anyone's longtime listener knows that, uh, there is a G.I. Joe character, uh, on the periphery. 
called Hot Sauce that was a creation. Uh, Robert Atkins was part of that creation of, of that character, and um, they they are working hard to try to get uh, that character into canon. So, <laughs> I mean, he does he does show up in multiple panels. He does during the IDW. IDW run. He's probably, I think I've spotted him four or five times, like in the background of things. Yeah. So he's there. We just need a form. We need to know who you're looking for. Right. We need a formal, uh, file card and, uh, uh, a classified figure made of him. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Michael, uh, yeah. Once, thanks for joining us. And, uh, hopefully the little one is, is sound asleep now. Um, so what was, what was your adventure like with Baltimore? Was there anyone in particular that you like wanted to meet outside of hanging out with all of us? Was there anyone that you got stuff signed by or, or what, like what was on your list? I mean, Kevin from Canada, of course. Of course. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like to see Fairmont again. Because uh, when he was in Cleveland, did not get a good photo with him, but that didn't happen. <laughs> but otherwise, no, it's just kind of a free time. Whatever I got done, I got done this year. Didn't really look ahead. Okay. Um, did you? Uh, I know you mentioned Claremont. Was there anyone else that you ended up getting stuff signed by, or or any creators? I know you went to you went back to uh, EM Scribbles as well. Yeah. Uh, for a drawing. Uh, Katie Cook again. Oh yeah. 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 So what were some of the art things that you had, you had done? Uh, tell the audience, like, what did you have done by Katie Cook yeah. and, and EM Scribbles? Yeah. Broken up with the name, official name, the Bleeding Heart Bride from Haunted Mansion with EM Scribbles. Yep. That would be and Constance I, Hatchaway. Would be her actual name. Official. Thank you. I knew it was going <laughs> Oh, you're cutting out a bit there. You're very, very faint. There you go. Is that better? Yep. I forget which one booth is connected. Uh, so, uh, I would say uh, we're doing, me and my wife, we're doing life events with Kate Cook. So, she did uh, our proposal at Disney. Uh, in a her form, and future years we're gonna have like birth of our child. Nice. So, first time we met. So and it's gonna be a little like in a photo book, a little like event. Nice. Yeah. If anyone, uh, if, for those that don't know, if you've never had the opportunity to meet Katie Cook at conventions, what she does is she does these little watercolor type commissions. They're they're real quick. She does it's in her style. And, um, but they're really cute. They're like these small little card type things and she'll do them in like a sketchbook and stuff like that as well. But, um, she usually does them on these little cards and, uh, you just tell her what you want. And if you, if it's something in particular, um, like what Michael was doing as far as events in his life with his wife and everything else, then, you know, you provide her like a photo or some type of reference and she'll happily do that for you. So. And on Facebook, when you post this, I will post the photo of that. So okay, cool. Idea. Cool. Very cool. Um, and then didn't you, uh, I can't remember, did you, you, did you swing back by the, the one artist, uh, that would, had done work with like stray dogs and everything else? 
Ah, okay, that I completely forgot. Yes, uh, the artist and the writer. Yeah. Or one of the writers. Uh, so yeah, she did a sketch for me in her DuckTales that was exclusive for a comic book shop. It's a, a Darkwing on it. Not DuckTales, Darkwing Duck. And, yeah, from right there, I got those books signed. Yeah, good memory. I yeah. only just read them. You know. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, other than you getting me now into what's killing uh, the children, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, well, that was something that was, uh, yeah, that's something that got me uh, hooked into it for a while there, so... Um, if you've never read There's Something Killing the Children, uh, it's a really good, like, I knew Michael would like it because it, it kind of has like a bit of a supernatural, uh, the TV show supernatural, uh, feel to it because it's basically people hunting these monsters that are created by kids' imaginations from, like, they tell scary stories and then the imagination kind of goes wild and it ends up actually creating creatures and, um, there's a whole house out there that, that hunts down these monsters. And, um, so I, I knew Michael was a big fan of sup- the show supernatural. I am as well. And I was like, it totally got me hooked into reading that comic. And I was like, here's the first trade, read this. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so yeah. Now I have to go get the rest. Yes. Well, you know, first one's always free and then you have to pay after that. So, um, I, I take great pride in always hooking people into uh, comic addictions and stuff like that. So, um, for me, uh, well, first I will say I will. I wanted to formally thank. I thanked him before, but I want to formally thank Michael for uh, living through the experience with with me with the Jeff Johns <laughs> panel and the signing afterwards. Uh, he had agreed earlier on that he, he's like, I was like, I'll have an extra ticket for you to go to the panel. Um, if you'd be so kind to come with me to that. And then, you know, I'll, uh, you know, if you can help me, cause I'm gonna have a bunch of books. If you can help me with that, I'll, you can have one of the, uh, signed lithographs and, and stuff like that. I would just greatly appreciate it. Not knowing that I was subjecting him to four hours of hanging out in a line with me. Uh, just to get that stuff signed. So, uh, it was great to hang out with them and like we've known each other for years, but it was cool to just like talk and hang out for that long. But, um, also like that was a lot longer than he signed up for, I'm sure. So, <laughs> so thank you very much for that. You know, the panel was worth it. Yeah, the panel was good. Of course. Yeah, the panel was a lot of fun. Um, so for me, uh, what I got signed was, uh, so I mentioned Jeff John's last episode. Another big one for me was to get Jander Sema to sign some stuff. Uh, being a huge Star Wars fan that I am, she is my favorite Star Wars artist. Um, and I never had anything signed by her. I had a few things signed in the past by John Ostrander, um, the writer on a lot of Star Wars stuff from Dark Horse, but never had her sign anything. Uh, so it was awesome to bring like some comics that I had Ostrander sign before and have her sign it. I also had a trade sign by her and she's doing a, uh, art piece for me. She said she went, she wasn't able to do it at the show, but she's going to, uh, work on it sometime. She said in November, she, uh, she has my email address, so she's going to reach out to me in regards to that. So I'm very excited 
about that, she's supposed to draw me uh, Ayla Sakura with Ahsoka Tano. Uh, so that's going to be pretty awesome. Um, those are two favorite characters of mine. Uh, got to talk with her quite a bit, and um, she's super pleasant to talk to. So it's always great when you get to meet a creator that um, is is everything you would hope they would be. Um, <clears throat> another one that was big for me was Doc Shaner. And because I've mentioned it way in the past, uh, I love Future Quest, the comic series that was done. And with Future Quest, it was all like the Hanna-Barbera characters like Space Ghost and Herculoids and Johnny Quest and stuff like that. Um, and I absolutely loved that series. It's one of my all-time favorite series. And I have not only the issues, but I have the trades for it. And the trades are way out of print. Uh, they can be kind of expensive to get. Um, but I wanted him, to, Doc Chainer, to sign them. He, again, super nice. And I actually got to talk to him about it. And I was like... You know, I was kind of surprised. I told him I was like kind of surprised that they stopped doing the series because um, it seemed like it was being it was successful. It seemed like it was selling well. And he goes, "Yeah, it was actually selling very well." But at the time, if people remember, they did not only Future Quest, but they came out with a diff a unique take on the Flintstones. They uh, which was like more realistic, like realism looking of people. Uh, they did a uh, wacky races type thing, but it was more like Mad Max of Thunderdome take on it. And then they did Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. Um, the two that really took off were Future Quest and Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. And I loved Scooby-Doo Apocalypse also. Um, so I thought both were really good. Um, but I guess from what Doc Shaner was telling me is like Hanna-Barbera was kind of iffy about the directions of their properties. They have a certain look and a certain feel that they want for their characters. And these were, while they agreed to them, they were definite divergence from some of them were definite divergence from what they felt comfortable with. Um, I don't think future quest was one of those because they were pretty spot on with the depiction of the characters in future quest. Um, but it was the other ones. So basically Hanna-Barbera decided to pull back all of their properties. So DC wasn't doing them anymore. So, um, so that's really why it ended. Um, he's, he says he was all ready to do more, but they, they stopped. Um, and then I left there and thought of, and I had, I checked in my bag for something else and then realized and that he had worked on, uh, the Adam uh, Strange series with Tom King. So I had that, I had the hardcover in my bag because I was going to get Tom King to sign it. And so I brought it back to Doc Shaner and had him, I was like, Hey, I actually f forgot that I actually have this on me and had him sign it. And he did a quick little head sketch of Adam Strange. And while he was doing that, Tom King walked by and, uh, I talked with Tom for like a good, probably 10 minutes or so. Um, and at that point is when he realized who I was and we were talking about our mutual friends and, and everything else and, um, and all that. And then I was like, well, since you're here, would you sign this? <laughs> so he signed that for me as well. So that was really cool. Um, I got Jim Starlin to sign all of my Thanos hardcovers. So there was, uh, him and Starlin did, um, or Starlin and, uh, I can't remember who the writer was on these things, but basically, they did a Thanos series of books. There were six of them. So I got uh, Starlin to sign those. Um, I always bring 
my Fables hardcovers for Mark Buckingham to sign. And he always, with the hardcovers, he always draws a little remark sketch in them. So there's three of them that I brought, and he did a little signature and a remark in each one. He said because with the hardcovers, people have invested a little bit more in those, so he likes to do something a little special in those. Tom DeZago, who worked on Telos, uh, I had the tribute hardcover volumes for that. If you've never read Telos and you like fantasy stories, I highly recommend Telos. It is fantastic. It's got micro-ringo art, which is beautiful. Um, but they did these tribute books after micro-ringo passed away. And uh, Todd DeZago worked on them and everything, and there was other artists that drew the stories and everything. And I had bought these at Baltimore Comic Con in a past year, but for some reason I never got them signed by Todd. And he definitely was there when I bought them. I just didn't get them signed by him. So I brought those back to get those signed. Um, I got to talk with him about, cause he, they want to do a new, new release of the Telos books. Uh, and they were supposed to come out, but then there was issues with the publisher and he says they're probably not going to come out. Um, I said, like, Oh, well, you should just do it through like a Kickstarter then or something like that. And he goes, he said that he's never done anything like that. And so I told him he should contact me and I gave him my business card. And so I haven't heard from him yet, but he said, if he's looking to go down that route, he'll definitely reach out to me. Um, I told him we can work on how to promote it and everything. So, um, had David Peterson, I've had almost everything mouse guard signed by David Peterson. So instead I brought hardcovers of the Teenage Ninja Turtles books where he did covers for the, some of the one shots in there. Um, had Chris Claremont sign something, had Jim Chung sign my Young Avengers hardcovers, which was amazing uh, artwork. If you've never seen Jim Chung artwork, I asked him if he's going to, he does a lot of variant covers now. And I asked him if he's, I would love to see him on interiors again. He's like, he's like, just, just wait. So I didn't dig any further than that. And I should have to ask, like, is there something coming that I should be aware of? Um, and then last but not least was, uh, Travis, Uncle Teabag, who's been on the show before. He, uh, had, I don't know how, how this was done. Maybe he'll text me and let me know how it was done. Cause I don't remember, but he knew somebody or did it himself. Like he got basically the files for the DC comic style guide. Um, that was, if you don't know in the 1980s, you know, most companies have a style guide where it's like, if you're putting out merchandise and everything else, this is how it's supposed to look. These are the colors you're supposed to use, all that type of stuff. In the 80s, DC had a style guide that was done, and all the artwork was done by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. And he, it, it, I don't even, I looked in the book, it doesn't even look like he's even credited there, but basically, if you grew up in the 80s with seeing DC comic stuff on like merchandise, like superpowers and all that type of stuff, that is Garcia Lopez's artwork. Um, and it all came from this style guide. Travis, like I said, had somehow got the files that of what was in the style guide, and he was able to have a reproduction made, a replica made. I don't know if he made it or if someone else made it, but basically it's this beautiful hardcover recreation of the style guide. And I bought it off of him years ago because he, he's just like, hey, would you be interested in this? I was like, yeah. So I bought it off of him. So I brought it with me this year, uh, took it to Garcia Lopez's table, and he was absolutely amazed. He's like, where did you get this? I was like, it's a replica. It's not one of the originals. <laughs> but he loved it. He was just, he showed, he turned to Fred, his handler, 
his manager and was just like, he's like, look at this. And he's just like flipping through it and stuff. And he absolutely loved it. So, and then it was funny because then I think it was like a week or two later, I saw on his Facebook page, he reissued out this petition that was asking for the style guide to be for people to sign it, to have the style guide reproduced again for the public. So I don't know if me bringing the book made him remi- reminded him of that. I would think it, maybe it did. Um, because why else would he have done that? But I did get the style guide signed by him. I uh, would have loved to have gotten a sketch in there also, but uh, it was near the end of the day when I got that signed. So, um, And then the last thing was, uh, that was supposed to be the last thing, but one other thing I saw here in my notes was uh, Katie Cook. We had mentioned her earlier. I have everything that I own of Katie Cook's already signed by her, but she did do some artwork in this artist tribute of Labyrinth where they went to all these different artists and had them draw something labyrinth related. And they, uh, so she's, she signed that. And then I happened to notice that Mark Buckingham's name was on the list also. So I went back to Mark Buckingham's table and had him sign that. So, um, so that was very cool. But so those were all the muskets for me. Um, I really didn't do much as far as like, didn't really do much at all when it came to commissions or anything like that. I did get Katie cook, to do one of her watercolors like Michael had uh, of Stealth Hammer. And I gave that to my wife when I got home. So um, so that was very cool. And I'll, I'll pr- probably post that on the Stealth Hammer uh, website and everything else and, and Facebook pages and stuff. So so that was a lot of fun. But uh, that was my Baltimore con. Um, one thing, too, Eric, I don't know if, uh, your opinion because, you again, you've been there so many years. You were talking about the layout and everything else being different. This was my opinion or my thought when it came to it. I thought it was cool to have the the media guests where they were because it kind of made people go through Artist Alley, which was great. But not everyone was in that was in Artist Alley was in that section of Artist Alley because they kind of split it up. And I feel like the people that were split up and put behind the comic guests area really didn't get a whole lot of traffic over there. I feel like they didn't really have a lot of people exploring their stuff. I'm... Not sure, because it, it's the same thing. Is, is like, were those? I, I do like the fact that they. I mean, they also only had a. You know, they, they, they Baltimore doesn't get many media guests. They, that's intentional. You know, they had what four? I yeah. think uh, five. Yeah. You had. Uh, you had uh, Jack Skellington and Oogie Boogie. You had Sam. You and you had. Uh, oh my God! What's the what the. Harry Potter, uh, Matthew Lewis. Yeah. Um, but I do think it was smart to make it, put them along that back wall where you have to, if you were going to go to them, you had to walk through everything on the floor basically to get to them, which I agree. That's a good idea. But yeah, that section that was off to, Basically, I'm going to call it, when you walk in the front, that's the section of Artist Alley that was on the extreme far left. Yeah. Um, was weird because, I mean, though, if you were going to go to where they had, like, their little food court section, you did basically have to walk through there to get to the food court. Sure. Um, but I also I don't know also how much of that was those guys may have been also slightly blocked off because of, like, Simonson's line was right there. Right. Uh, you know, Claremont's line was right there, so I don't know how much of that may have been blocking physical views for people too. But um, 
Well, and then yeah. they also had that one huge media wall that was for, like, Scott Snyder and Tom King. Like, there was just this huge banner that kind of blocked you even seeing anything behind it, so. Um, yeah, well, that was, like, I don't know if that was, like, the DC section or whatever yeah. the hell that was. Um, no, that, that, that was comic sketch art. That was whoever. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, it's, I mean... The layout was effectively the same as it's usually when it's on that side of the convention center, because that's the bigger side of the convention center. Right. There's an entire other section that is smaller, um, but that the fact that they had it split up that year was interesting, and I'm this year, and I'm curious to see if they're going to do that next year, because in theory, there was a lot of open space in that food court area that you, if you really wanted to, you could have put more booths and tables in. Right, and actually one of the things I was wondering, uh, kind of using the same theory or the same strategy as having people walk through the whole convention to get to the media guests was I was wondering if it, in that big food section that, you like you said, where it was completely wide open after you get past that little artist alley area, I wonder if it would have been better to put all of the big comic names on the other side in that big open area. So then you had to walk through the artist at that other section of artist alley. And, and at least it shows a little bit of love because to those people, because people have to walk by their stuff and at least would have a chance of looking at it and everything. So I, I suspect this year was a, because last year the media guests were in that section to the left. Yeah. Like they usually would be in the past years. Yeah. I'm curious if it was more a, hey, let's try a different layout and see how this goes. Sure. You know, and, and I would not be surprised to see a different layout next year unless maybe those people over there did, over there did really well and we just weren't paying attention. Right. right. Um, but, but who knows? Cause you know, they also do put a lot of the big names along the other side of the wall. Right. On the, uh, to the right. To the right. You know, yeah. But that's, but that's there's, you know, a little bit of artist alley type stuff along the wall, but it's, it's just, you know, you've got all the vendors there in the middle, so I don't know. Um, it's inter- it's interesting to see how that show changes almost every single year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting but, too because you know, was, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Go. I was just gonna say, like, I also find it interesting, like, like you're saying to the right, how they have some big names there. Also, like, I know there's Claremont and stuff that have been around for a long time, but like, I almost feel like that right side is like the almost like the older legend type classic the classic creators yeah because you that's where you had like people like wade and starlin and and buckingham and stuff like the ones that have been around for many many years um so yeah i don't know like you said they they might just keep changing it every year (laughs) trying to figure out what might be the the best layout majority the majority of the layout hasn't changed that much when it's there or when it's on that side, because it's, it's been the shifting of, I think they've been trying to figure out what to do with the media guests the yeah. last couple of years. Cause I remember boy, um, years ago they had, uh, Peter Mayhew and, uh, one of the guys from, um, Oh shit. What's that show that everybody likes? Uh, that makes fun of all the old movies with like the, the crow, the robot and, um, Oh, Mr. Science Theater, Theater 3000. Yeah. Same thing. They only had like the two or three, they only had like two guests that year. And like Peter Mayhew was one of them. Yeah. But again, they were also in that back corner back where they had the media guests this year, but they didn't have anybody to that left. Right. Like, uh, so I don't, it's, 
I think it's just been a constant, just trying to figure out a layout that works better sure. for everybody. Sure. Um, you know, I, you know, who knows? I don't know. It's, it's complicated. So it's, yeah. You know. Well, I know, I know, uh, Michael and I had fun with some of the, uh, retailer displays that were out there because they're, uh, Michael, I don't know if you want to touch on the massive Sentinel display that we saw. You mean where's Jean Grey? Yeah, where's Jean Grey, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, what? This is what? Easy three feet? Maybe? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I'd say, what? Not days of future past, but I'm trying to imagine what fight that would be depicting, but you know, every character you'd want in it, fighting against it. Yeah, it was this, in these it. huge statues, yeah. They were just like, like you said, they were like three feet statues with like sentinels of being attacked by X-Men, so. Um, I don't, can you remember, do you remember how much they were too? It was like, it was something funny. It was like, it was, it was, it was like nine grand or something, wasn't it? Yeah. I think if you wanted all the pieces, it was like seven or eight grand. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, it was impressive though. It was, it definitely caught your eye when you saw it, but, um, I would have had to leave Michael at home if I. And, well, and I would have needed a new home because I wouldn't be allowed back home. <laughs> so, <laughs> could have strapped that sucker to the roof. Yeah, my, my wife would have been like, "What are you? What? How much did that cost?" And I'd be like, uh, "I'm not telling you because <laughs> I because like you you'll leave me." <laughs> Several years ago, yeah. Several years ago, a, co- a former coworker of mine spent six grand on buying Dark Phoenix Saga original pages. Oh wow! I'm like, Jesus God. Christ, man! Like, how the fuck did your wife not murder you and right. you from this? Right? Yeah, no, there was there would be no way I'd be spending that kind of money. So, um, like you said, it looks really cool, but it, it's yeah, it's a lot of money, and it's also like, where do you put that stuff? <laughs> uh, at least original art pages, it's you can store those easily, but. Yeah, giant statues, not so much. So, um, if I had the room. What's that? I had the room. Yeah, <laughs> if I had the room. I you have the room. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you oh, might no, you might no, not no, be no. married anymore. Right but <laughs> we did talk about how you did like second mortgages yeah, and stuff like that. So, um, Kevin. Uh, so where did the whole Kevin from Canada? Because I'm sure people are wondering, like, where did that come from? What happened? Uh, that sparked the whole Kevin from Canada thing. That actually has a lot to do with Eric. <laughs> and the thing is, uh, is like I know I'm the guilty party here, but I don't even know exactly what I, I don't recall exactly what I said or what happened it, that started the whole happens, thing. It happened so fast. So you were introducing me to, me to Matt Slay, and uh, we're, we walk up, to, or no, he was walking through the aisle. That's what he was doing. And, uh, he's bad. I was like, blah, blah, blah. hey, have you met my friend from Canada? No, you haven't met him. And then right away, Kevin, Kevin from Canada. Hi, I'm Matt. Oh, you're, you're Kevin from Canada, right? And he just rolled with this thing <laughs> so fast. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This is a thing now. And just every time we walked by him, he was like, hi, hey, you're Kevin from Canada, right? <laughs> yeah, it started becoming the running joke of just like, Starbucks. of you being a celebrity of like, hey, have you guys met Kevin from Canada? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, yeah, and then we would walk by his booth and, uh, Matt Slay's an artist, uh, that we've gotten to know over the years. And, um, 
and he he's great and he's just, he's a lot of fun too. And yeah, he he'd be like, "Hey, is that is that Kevin from Canada?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, don't know. I have I have a habit of doing shit like this and not even realizing it. <laughs> so I think I think I told you guys the story of uh, there was a kid at work. I, I needed help. I just needed somebody to help me grab something and move something out of the way at work. Over. Um, to grab one of the other cabinet makers that was there to get his attention. And I guess this kid had said something, well, I can help you. But I thought I, my response was, Oh, I need somebody with muscles. But what I had thought, I had thought he had said something else. And he asked, what did you need? Not I can help you. And apparently like, he just was like, Oh, but I have muscles. You know, I was <laughs> like, wait, well, I don't, I don't even know what I said. I just, it was something that came out of my mouth because I thought I heard something else and it was like, oh shit. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have a habit of doing stuff like that. <laughs> nice. Just to go back to Matt, go back to Matt's play for a second. He had one of the, the most unique things he get, he got signed or he get signed at the cons. And Eric, you probably, you probably know what I'm talking about. Oh, right? I'm, I'm very well. The, the seduction of the innocent, that book. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah he's, he's been carrying that around for years. And it's the, the signatures and doodles and stuff he has in that book. Jesus, it's, it's a, it's a who's who of industry people. That is fantastic. For those that don't know what Seduction of the Innocent is, definitely look it up. It's basically a book that was written that, uh, blamed comics for, uh, ruining why kids act like delinquents and stuff like that. And it's the reason why a lot of the, the comics code authority happened and, and all that type of stuff. So it's a, um, yeah, it's, it's a very negative book in the comic industry, but, but, um, but it's a huge part of comic history and that's awesome that he gets it signed by and, and has stuff done by creators in it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, he the, he showed me a full page sketch that Frank Miller sketched. Uh, what's his name? What's the character from Sin City? Carl, not Carl. Oh, oh God, I don't remember. I know exactly Ron who you're talking. Perlman. Yeah, the Ron <laughs> Perlman character, not right? Ron Perlman. It was, uh, <laughs> oh God, was yeah. a nine and a half weeks guy. Um, uh, Iron Man two, I think, wasn't it? It was no, no, no. Uh, the, 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 yeah, you're, okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I can't. Damn it, that's gonna drive me nuts now. But anyway, he did a full uh, sketch in one of the pages, and Frank Miller doesn't do sketches at right at these things. And when his wife got, was in line for it, and she just one, he started sketching, and everybody in the booth with comic sketch art just stops it. Like he's not supposed to sketch, but that's stop funny. Frank Miller from sketching in a book. That's, and that yeah. just blew everybody's mind, and she's like, stay. You when she took it back and ran. <laughs> was it uh, was it Marv and Mickey Ward or Marv? Marv, yeah. that's who it was. Marv, yeah, yeah, Marv, yeah. So yeah, I just yeah, I did I did the same thing Michael did. I did a quick search, <laughs> Google search, because um, I knew what the character was that you were talking about, but I couldn't think of of its name or his name. Um, that's hilarious. That's pretty awesome. I knew Mickey Ward. I forgot who it was. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, to kind of, I wanted, I wanted to keep this episode somewhat short and everything else because it's a Sunday night and there's work tomorrow, at least for me. And I know there's work for other people on this call. Um, so what, I guess highlights, what was like, what was a big 
thing for each of you guys? Like what kind of stood out from the weekend that um, it could be something you've already mentioned or it could be other things, but what was, what was kind of the highlight for you guys? Uh, I guess Michael, we'll start with you. I think going to the panel in all honesty. I mean, it took four hours for the beginning, <laughs> but no, it was a great time. I, I like listening to people and where their train of thought is when yeah. they were making something. Yeah. Learning new things. I did not know Stargirl based on its sister. Oh yeah. That's yeah. way. Yeah. Right, Stargirl? I'm right. Yeah, Stargirl's really good. You, you'd probably like it, so. No, amazing. Yeah. Pretty cool. Kevin, how about for you? Feeding them more crack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. For me, there's, <laughs> <laughs> for me, there's, there's just so much. Like, meeting all you guys was the number one thing for coming down. Sure. Uh, as far as Crater, uh, Simonson's was a huge get for me. Um, I got four new signatures on my G.I. Joe poster, which brings up 23 signatures now on my G.I. Joe comics poster. Um, it's just it was just a blast overall. It was so fast. I flew in Friday night. I flew out Sunday afternoon. Yeah. It was so fast that my brain was just spinning. Everything went so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was cool for people that don't know too. We thank all. Thank you so we much all, for taking. Your- I was gonna say we all we all stayed at Eric's house, which was thank you very much for giving us a place to crash. That was awesome. Um, and it was it was great because we got to enjoy more of the of hanging out with each other because of that. So, um, I had to laugh cause, uh, and I wish I would have thought of it when we were at your house. Um, Sam had asked me, he's like, did anyone play let's get it on? Uh, <laughs> when the lights went out and I was like, damn it, I should have remembered to do that. <laughs> cause that was like a hotel cr- tradition is like, we'd all turn off the lights. And like, I remember Chuck started it the first time was like, he play let's get it on when all the lights went out. So, <laughs> Um, so I wish I would have remembered that because that would have been funny as hell. So, uh, Eric, how about for you? What, what were some of the highlights for you for the con this year? Uh, for, for me, it was basically just seeing you guys, like yeah. getting to actually meet Kevin in person for the first time, you know, seeing you and Mike, you know, Ryan, because I haven't seen you guys in a couple of years because, yeah. you know, COVID. Right. Um, that's, that's the big thing for me with this show is – Oh, and Sam. Like, I always love seeing Sam every year because yeah. he's like the other guy that comes down. Yeah. Even though it's like a six or seven hour drive for him from Buffalo. Yeah. But, um, it's, the show is very different when it's just basically me. Yeah. Compared to when there's a group of folk around to that I don't get to see very often and, or, you know, it, it's just, it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Brings a different energy to it but, and everything. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plus, you know, with you guys all staying here this year, it was, it was also nice because you know we could hang out a little bit after everything while we're just sitting up here talking. Yeah. Um, you know, or, you know, trying to find Tim Hortons coffee for Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I remember you texting like after the show, you were like, "It's quiet here now." <laughs> so. Yeah, it was weird because, like, you know. You know, you're upstairs and I'm downstairs and, you know, I would hear you guys talking for like another hour or so or two hours after we got back or yeah. whatever. And it was just like all of a sudden it's, it's very quiet. And then plus I think the, the night you guys left, my wife and son were off at like her best friend's house which oh, was yeah. around the corner, but they didn't get back till late. So it was just weirdly quiet in the house and the cats yeah. are all just staring at me like, <laughs> you know, are you going to pet us? Because there's nobody else here too. Yeah. 
So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, for me, it, the highlight was, uh, one was just being able to get out to the convention again. Uh, I didn't realize how it's one of those things like you don't know what you got till it's gone type of thing. Like I didn't realize in this case, it was like, I didn't realize how much I missed going to that show and seeing you guys and everything until I was back there seeing you guys again. So, um, then it was like, then on the, like on the drive home was, was when I was like, like, damn, that like felt good to do something normal again. Cause as everyone knows, not only with COVID, but everything else in my life has been like in upheaval lately. So, um, to have something that felt normal again, uh, and just to be able to get away for a little while was, was fantastic. So yeah, being able to see Kevin again or for the first time, uh, was amazing. Um, and cause I always love it when I get to meet a listener and especially a listener that's become a friend over the years, uh, in person, uh, that is the best. Um, because I often said like the best side, side benefit of doing this show was all, was the friendships I made. I'd never thought about that as being something that would come out of doing the show, but is the best thing that came out of doing the show was the friendships that I've made, uh, both virtual and in real life. So, um, like I know, uh, Eric and Kevin, like Michael, I knew from work. So I don't want to say like I met him because of the show, but like Eric and Kevin are both people that I will probably know the rest of my life now. Like, uh, and it's all because of doing the podcast. So it's all, like I said, it's always great when I get to meet somebody new in person, uh, especially someone that I've communicated with for a long time. Um, so that was a huge highlight for me, obviously getting to meet Jeff Johns, who's my favorite writer. Jander Sema is my favorite Star Wars artist. Those are both huge highlights for me. Um, both the drive up and the drive uh, home with Michael was fantastic. And the drive up, especially because it was hilarious because I stopped paying attention to the GPS and we, we ended up going, adding like an hour to our drive because I wasn't paying attention, um, which is always a fun part of any road trip is when things just go wrong. <laughs> so, um, but, but recoverable at least. Um, so that, that was fun, uh, to be able to spend that time together and just kind of chat and everything else. Um, yeah. And just like, again, being at the show again, being able to, to meet people, get stuff signed by them, talk to the creators. Uh, if you never had a chance to go to any convention, I would highly recommend going to some convention where there's like some known creators that you have some of their work. And I don't mean like they're known like by everybody, but they're known to you. So even if they're an indie creator, but you know them, uh, from their work, go meet them if you get the chance to, cause it's, it, it can be a very awesome experience. Um, be, be polite, be cordial with them and everything else, but they, they love hearing how much you love their work. And I can speak to that as being a creator. Now I love it when someone comes to my table and tells me how much they love what, what we did. So, um, so yeah, it was just, it was a overall great experience. Um, the food was fantastic as always, uh, when, when we've gone out, uh, for stuff. I will say my one regret is that I never did get that slice of cheesecake. Uh, all weekend I kept thinking I was gonna, we'd go someplace and I'd see the cheesecake was on the menu. And then, and I'm a huge cheesecake lover. And then I would be too full to have cheesecake because of my meal. So. Never to get that cheesecake. We we could have easily remedied that situation <laughs> had I been aware. I know. I understand. <laughs> but it's okay. And also, when you have certain Canadians' wives that are stalking what you're eating on the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Kevin, Kevin's wife would often text him and say, like, uh, she'd look up the menu. She, like, knew where he was because of the GPS on his phone and, like, looked up, looked up the menu of where we were at eating and tell him what he should probably try having or something. So. Are you trying to Chipotle there? Why would I have Chipotle here? Are you, are you having the Philly cheesesteak? And Eric's like, if we're having Philly cheesesteak, we're going to fill it. Yeah, that was my response. I was like, we're not having a fucking Philly cheesesteak in the Pratt Street Ale House or whatever. Right. Like, Philly's a two-hour drive. We will go up to Philly, and I will introduce you to a proper Philly cheesesteak. Right. <laughs> And, and just so no, so there's no like weird thoughts out there by anybody. Like it, 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 it wasn't a trust issue or anything like that with Kevin's wife. It's just their, their, all their phones are connected. So she just happened to know like where he would be at if she would like look to see. And then she'd be like, Oh, look, let's look at that. And so it was actually like a very funny ongoing thing. It was like yeah. it says, she's not, she's not stalking her own husband or anything like that. <laughs> there was nothing negative involved with it at all. <laughs> Menus and shit, sending them to her. Sending the place up online. Yeah, Eric, I still kind of wonder what would have happened if it would have followed up with Amy Chu and her uh, invitation that we had. You remember talking to her? Oh Jesus Christ, I forgot about that. We were talking yeah, to Amy. Yeah, absolutely. I will go to breakfast with you and your famous people. <laughs> yeah, I, I took a, a art a Kubert, uh course with Amy Chu, and uh, we're talking about if she. Were project we're sitting here chatting it up and art adam's name came up and she goes oh you guys should come breakfast with us okay that would be cool <laughs> exactly <laughs> that would be awesome meanwhile who would who are these two scabs um hi <laughs> <laughs> i took art adams to a dinosaur museum <laughs> yeah, that came up a lot yeah that was awesome though that's i mean how many people get to say that though so that's true yeah all right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, thank you uh, again, Eric, for putting up with, uh, putting us up or putting up with us, but also putting us up <laughs> at your place. Um, loved being able to come out again. Uh, hopefully again, we'll be able to do it again next year. Uh, Kevin was awesome to see you in person. Hopefully there'll be much more opportunities in the future. Uh, cause I certainly would love to come up your way for, for a convention sometime. Um, and, uh, but yeah, uh, but with that, uh, Kevin, do you want to do the closing? Do you know what to close with? Uh, yeah, if you want to start it off, I'll sure. it off. Okay, sounds good. So with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the Force will be with you. Because no, no one else is half the battle. Oh, my God, I screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> joke, joke. It's not as easy as it seems, joke. is it? <laughs> <laughs> I can't one job, Kevin. One job. I can't tell you how many times when I'm recording an episode by myself that I stumble over some of that stuff, and I'm like, I've been doing this for 14 years, and I still <laughs> still can't get it right sometimes. <laughs> 170 some odd episodes. Right. Exactly. All right. Take care, everybody.